Hello and welcome to Free from the Real, episode 147, brought to you by mtgotraders.com, puremtgo.com and capefeargames.com. You can hear us each week on puremtgo.com, mtgotraders.com and mtgcast.com. I'll be one of your hosts, AJ. With me as ever is Sebastian. Everybody. And Kia. Hey, guys. This is ever is the Free From The Real podcast, bringing you all the news that's fit to listen to regarding the online game and things from the offline game which are of interest to us. Now, something which um, is online only is the Magic Online Prayer Reward Scheme, and we've just got the latest promos. Gentlemen, anything actually useful here? Uh, uh, well, as always, like I'm digging the, the textless spell. At the tier 7 and 8, we get uh, textless negate, which I'm looking forward to because I love me some textless cards. Agreed. I mean, but beyond that, it seems sort of. I mean, they're promos. They're free. Like, play for them. It's it's. Uh, you can't expect them to all be uh, Day of Judgment or like Wrath of God. So. Yeah. Although the end prize in this case, we have at a uh, the tier, the final tier, we have the alternate art Chandra's Phoenix, which was the buy a box promo, which obviously you can't do online. But it's got some pretty sweet art and it's a pretty playable card. All in all, like other than Drain Life, I mean that's. A little sad, but overall, I'd say this is one of their best uh, mopper months ever. Not bad, yeah. You've got uh, Drain Life at the bottom tier, Gaia's Blessing above that, uh, with the original Rekaguire art, uh, Negate, and Chandra's Phoenix at the very top, Negate being a textless spell. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Drain Life is in the original uh, art, which um, it is a big plus, so it's... Um, it's it's very old school, so if you ever want to do an alpha art deck, this is a good part of it. Do we not do we not have was that not in a master's edition with that art? I'm not sure. I kind of assumed I kind of assumed it was, but I could be wrong. If not, then that's pretty cool. I'm not sure it was. If it was, then eh. If it is, then hey. Yeah. Actually, now thinking back to playing Master's Edition Limited, I doubt it was because all of those games took forty seven turns, and there's no <laughs> way that happens if there's a dream life in the format. Exactly. <laughs> No, so okay, that's a that's a great group then there, um, and we also just pretty much recently got the announcement for the promos we've earned from last month. Those were not posted forever, but we've seen that those are uh, Wood Elves at the bottom, and then going to Plague Mirror, Shard Phoenix, and Mirror Superion. And I guess it doesn't make a big difference because not knowing what they are, I doubt I, even if you did know what they are, no one's really going to play to try and earn these promos really. Yeah, well, Mirror Superion with the alternate art does look pretty impressive. Yeah, and I mean, if people ever live their dream of doing their Heartless Summoning Free Mirror Superion decks or their Priest of uh, Phyrexia decks with him, then he could be useful, but I doubt that dream comes alive. Maybe. So, a 5-6 for free would be nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, it reminds me of his uh, predecessor uh, way back in uh, the original Mirrodin block. 4-4 for freeze were very nice and could often come out in turn 1. Yeah, that would be pretty handy. <laughs> but I don't think it's... Just, I mean, it's saying that, you know, those these are no longer the days of Mirrodin, I guess is the easiest way to put it. Mm-hmm. Right? But uh, all in all, like, this month's promo is pretty exciting and pretty worthwhile. It'll be interesting because this is technically the end of the Player Rewards program because it was set up through the end of this year. Um, if they want to make any tweaks to it uh, for the 2012 season, I guess... Is assuming they continue it, which I think they will. Yep. Otherwise, this ends at 
7.59.59 a.m. Uh, Pacific time on December the 28th of this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they'll continue it in some fashion. I'm just interested to see if maybe they're going to tweak some of the numbers or anything like that. Yeah. Or if it's something which is um, sufficiently upside for them. Because, well, you look at what they've done with the offline um, uh, things in recent uh, years, pretty much. Um, due to that uh, scandal at a um, uh, fake uh, store which was making a fortune selling the things on eBay. You have um, the offline equivalent pretty much discontinued. So will they uh, march forward with this or will they consign it to the to the dustbin of history alongside the 1800 room? Yeah. Well, I mean, the only way is, you know, the only way that someone could game the system, I did a little air quotes, obviously you can't see that being a podcast, is either to play lots of tournaments or buy lots of product. And either way, I don't see how Wizards loses out in that equation. Yeah, that's not so, so much that's not so much gaming the system as playing <laughs> right into that playing, playing, into, playing yeah. into their into their system. It's like, haha, yes. I showed you I earned your promo cards by buying two thousand dollars in product, suckers. I played right into your hands. <laughs> just as planned. Wait, your plan. Dang but, it. No. But yeah. No, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, because because I, I remember before the system used to be heavily slanted towards the only way you could get points really was to buy product, and then they made it more player friendly by increasing the number of points you could get by playing in events. Yep. And maybe that would change for better, and they could add more tiers even. Well, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. We will uh, look at, look forward to this with great interest, and of course, we will keep you, our uh, beloved listeners, informed. Mm-hmm. Now, moving on, we have uh, the renaming of the rooms. Uh, this is the uh, ultimate end of the what is casual debate and the unfortunate beginning of the what is just for fun debate. <laughs> exactly, because I see that and classically people are like, oh, don't you play for fun? I'm like, and when I get that question put to me, I'm like, yes, I do play and I have fun by winning. Yes. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting change. Basically, they've gone through, and it's really cause, completely cosmetic for the most part. Uh, they've changed play between um, casual play and tournaments. And under tournaments, there are now only uh, release queues, constructed queues, limited queues, and stand, um, scheduled events. This is very similar to how they do it in poker, actually, where you have the sit-and-goes and the scheduled tournaments. I'm sure Wizards hates that reference, but it's, it's the closest thing I can come up with. And in the casual play room, you have just starting out, which is the beginner room, just for fun, which is the uh, I can't play magic well room, uh, the <laughs> kidding, of course, uh, and the anything goes still remains, tournament practice remains, and multiplayer room remains. Yeah, the anything mm-hmm. goes room is the uh, player run events, uh, cough, we don't mention these cough um, room. Pretty much. Which are perfectly legitimate to discuss on the boards, but completely verboten to discuss in the client. Work that one out. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. Uh, I do one of the changes. Obviously, I like the the tournament structure rearranging. I think it's pretty helpful. One of the big ben- side benefits I think has happened is we've seen a huge upswing in the number of four packs, like all the Swiss sealed events, like the four pack Swiss sealed events, because yeah, now sure. they're in limited queues where people hopped into that room to go to draft. And now they're like, oh, what's this thing? And they click on it, and they're like, oh, this is pretty cool. So you see a lot more of those firing, and I personally love it because I love uh, the 30-card limited format. It's it's really fun to me for some reason. So 
So a good example of cross-pollination, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. Another really interesting thing is that they now have My Games under play as well. So you can see I would easily access your games um, via that menu if you didn't access it from the side. And they love leagues in, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, they, you still have the leagues button, so you can click it and see the other two people sitting in the room for nothing. Quite ironic that we're most likely going to get a new version of the client before we get leagues. <laughs> yeah. Good story. Maybe they could change that to a new client preview. That'd be far more functional than a leagues button. Oh, we shall see. I miss leagues. <laughs> leagues, leagues were really fun back in the day. They but... were. Um, they were as fun as release events, and they would last as long. Much longer, that is. The ability yeah. to just uh, go on and play competitively on your own schedule rather than just sitting around for a tournament, uh, which is on their time rather than on yours. Uh, mm-hmm. Those of you who joined, um, I wouldn't say late in uh, Magic Online's life because it's been the status quo for ridiculously long, um, way back since the major crashes following uh, uh, version 2's release. Um, yeah, you don't know what you're missing, but you're missing it. Yeah, I really one of the biggest things that I really loved about it because I wasn't at the time a hardcore player on Magic Online, so I didn't invest a lot. But I did enjoy the ability to mess around with your deck and experiment with different cards and different options and different deck configurations, especially when you were in the tiebreakers portion of the week, because then it wouldn't really count against you if you lost. You're like, oh, you know, no big deal. Yeah. But you could get an idea of maybe different ways your deck could operate. Exactly. It's a way to um, uh, see what uh, your carpool could do, see what uh, to look out for in your next packs, other directions, other options. It's just a lot of fun. Like it's like it's like leveling. It's like playing an RPG where you like start off with a smaller carpool and you gradually build on top of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have borderline constructed playable decks. <laughs> exactly. Like block constructed decks by the end of it. In the in the last week, you were pretty much if you had a terrifying deck or you had a terrible deck. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, enough re- enough re- reminiscing from us old timers. Uh, the league button is there. We can only hope that they'll have something uh, which it would lead to sometime before 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not kidding. It's pretty much be what we've got to get. We've got to be getting pretty close to eight years now in terms of. Um, what they've in terms of not having leagues, so uh, uh, yeah, about five, I think. Yeah, it's it's been quite a while, and that's because every time there's an announcement and it, they talk about leagues, they're always roughly two years away. Well, that's, they're, that's, they're putting, that's still, and half, it stays a constant two years away, no matter when that announcement is. That's still half a decade where we've just been completely leagueless. There are people, there are people who weren't born who are now able to have quite erudite conversations. Mm-hmm. There are people who didn't know what Aerodyne meant five years ago, not now. Exactly. So, or, or 35 another, seconds ago until they looked it up on the, their web browser right now. Yeah, it's a British thing. I also looked at they uh, when they changed made this change, they completely wiped the Hall of Champions, which I'm sort of annoyed about. Um, not that I was on it or something, but like may have been, and now it's blank. And it's, well, to be yeah. fair, the Hall of Champions has been empty pretty much since version uh, 3 first debuted. It hasn't changed since then. The numbers haven't adjusted. It's just a waste of screen space, if you will. And on the note of things from the past which aren't really much use and haven't been for years, the masks pre-release and release events are underway as you listen. 
Uh, yes. So we've just had the the week of the pre-release events going on. The release release events. Actually, I believe they actually don't start until the Wednesday time. Yeah. So uh, but- when we get all our drafts and sealed events. So by the time you're listening to this, you'll either uh, be in them or will do in a day or so. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be indulging yeah. in the release um, events? Which I plan on doing. Like, yeah, I will be def- uh, definitely playing in some release events. Like, I want there's a lot of mass block cards I want. Um, a couple of rares in there, but even a lot of just like random commons and uncommons that'll be very useful uh, for future. And I kind of just like to have. Pretty much all the commons and most of the uncommons in the game, just in case. Because you never know when random things become good. Especially if I decide to start playing Popper, I'd like to have a, a play set of the format. So I try to always get at least four of every common in a set. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's always the off chance to try and qualify for the, uh, the release event championship. Which is very hard, but it does occur. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I've I've found personally though historically it's it's a lot easier to qualify for non-current sets. So like whenever they've re-released older sets, it's a lot easier to qualify for the championship. Yep, people who are good back then aren't necessarily playing online now, and people who uh, are good now aren't as good. What? Yeah. Well, pe- people who are good now don't necessarily know all the tricks of the trade, which people who played it for a while know. Yeah. One interesting thing, though, is because, you know, even though it is a big block set release, and when you play in the release event championship, you typically get, you know, the foil sets or the regular sets for winning, you have, it's, you're not going to get, like, the winner will not get four foil sets of mask block. They're going to have to choose either Mercadian Mask or Nemesis or Prophecy. Aw. Hint, don't (laughs) get Prophecy. Yeah. (laughs) Quick, yeah. Spoiler alert, do not pick Prophecy. Nemesis, depends on where Tanglewire's at, you know, Mask, uh, you got to consider Port and other things. But, yeah, you can just pretty much take Prophecy out of that equation. Yeah. And this is back when big sets were big. So, yeah. um, probably you know, this might be the first, this is probably, like, one of the only blocks where, like, the middle set is not the worst set in the block. Like, typically, middle sets seem to take a dive. And oh, that's case, not true. Like, World, Worldwake had, uh, Jace, so, there we go. Well, that's not, that doesn't count. That's a two-set... There was no third set in the block because, yeah. I mean, conceptually, uh, Rise of the Eldrazi was a different block. Well, I'm not entirely sure I agree with that analysis. Darksteel, I think, was a bit better than Fifth Dawn because you suddenly had, well, three, five Kalexing. Yeah, that's that's true, yeah. And, I mean, that was, and they said that was a conscious effort to try and tone down the power of any a terrible, terrible way to try and do that. But, uh, you know, I guess they tried. But yeah, I don't know. Typically, it just seems like the middle sets are always the worst. And this is, but I mean, this is a clear hands down situation where that's not the case. Prophecy is probably the it's easily it's easily one of the worst sets of modern. It's the worst set in modern Magic for sure since the it's advent not of the block as, uh, Arabian Nights. But yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, well, like I said, since the advent of like the the block design format concept, so like Mirage Forward, essentially, it's easily the worst set in Magic. Oh, I don't know. There've been a couple of real stinkers. I mean, you look Probably at Le- Legions and how many sets and how many cards from that do you uh, reckon are still playable? How many cards from from you? Prophecy are still playable? For you, isn't, Le- isn't yeah, for, Legion, for Tribal uh, Wars guys, you love yeah. it. Well, the thing is, it wasn't that good for Tribal Wars. Yes, every card was a creature, 
but that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean the creatures are automatically good. I mean, name, name has, you know, uh, there was like Fate, Phage. That was a popular card. Yeah, Phage is all right. You got the um, uh, Acroma, the uh, Angel of Reprints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's some fun stuff in there. Like, there's there's very few fun things in Prophecy. It just seemed to be the set where the main theme was being unfun and or yeah. tapping and or destroying your own lands. Exactly. You ever, you ever notice that pretty much any time people talk about Mass Block, no matter what you're talking about for Mass Block, it always turns into, my god, prophecy is so bad. Like, the conversation just always naturally goes that way. Hmm, I, I can see that. Yep. <laughs> well, Nemesis... But, uh... I guess back to the release events, just really quickly. It's the standard fanfare. We have your drafts, the uh, sealed Swiss events, and then the uh, premiere event uh, scheduled uh, drafts and the premiere event scheduled release uh, sealed events. Where you can get fun avatars like Rootwater Thief and Avatar of Woe. Yep. Hmm. Nice. I'll probably try and pick up a a set of Rootwater Thief myself, partly because I quite like the effect. And partly just to see the, um, uh, just to terminate Mike Long a few times. Huh. Oh, Mike Long. No one gets that reference anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, very, very interesting. He used to be big. Yeah. yeah. Although I think but, Wizards of the Coast came out and said that they made Mike Long. Well, fair <laughs> enough. That was, about, that was back when R&D wasn't so hot. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, and Reward of Thief actually saw some play, like in Vintage, a while back. This is a couple, at least a couple of years ago. But I remember, you know, basically it was at the point where if you got a Rootwater Thief and you attacked and took away their Tinker and then took away their Colossus, they could no longer win the game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the decks have evolved since then, but you never know. He could be good something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People tend to diversify their win conditions a bit more these days. Yeah. They <laughs> added in a Voltaic Key and a Time Bolt. Mm. Although, I mean, to be fair, the new blue-white uh, control deck, I think it had like four win conditions, and one of them was attacking your opponent using uh, blue sun Cenef, so. <laughs> maybe we have, maybe we're coming full circle again. Yeah, we're go- cutting back down on that. Mm-hmm. And now the circle is complete. Yeah. But, uh, but, I mean, I, I definitely plan on playing some release events, uh, some seals, and probably some drafts. And mostly because I, I'm, I worry this may be the only time you'll be able to get mass people into a mask block limited event. I'm worried. That, I'm worried that you might not even get pe- mass, lots of people in the mask block event even now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you know, there's always people that are like, oh, I can open a tangle wire. You know, like there's there's the dream, and there's still some cards to dream about that'll be high ticket cards, so it's worthwhile yep. to try and live the dream, Both even if sh- you don't realize how statistically bad that dream is likely. Both for Shadenport and Tanglewire have value. Mm-hmm. And even a couple of other cards. Speaking yeah. of which, let's... Like um, the uh, mono-green common. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's segue neatly into uh, the prices, shall we? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, probably yeah, good so, idea. Yeah, so looking ahead, we have a list of some mask block prices. And again, air quotes. No, you can't see it, but just imagine it. Um Based on what they are currently listed at, there's no cards in stock, but just give you a rough idea of where things may shake out, at least to start. Um, and the top dog, of course, being Rashad and Port, uh, which is listed at $39. Yeah. Honestly, I think it makes to be sense. fair. Colorless card in a lot of decks. Yeah. 
Um, it's it's a great card. It's in 43 or 63 lands or 43 lands. And, it, and beyond that, like, um, we also know that's very good. Yes. Has a well-documented history of being awesome. Mm-hmm. Pissing people off. Yeah. Another card that definitely falls into that category is uh, the number two card, which is Tangle Wire. Yeah. Available from Nemesis, which is in at 25. You know, there's so many cards here which are designed to mess up your opponent that it's, it's half a surprise they didn't do a tribal troll theme with the set. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. This, is, this basically is the block of the mechanical theme where it is mess with your opponent's stuff. Uh, yep. Keeping in that theme, obviously, the next card is Misdirection at $10. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's pretty much like Power 9 Speculation, because I don't see it being that good in uh, older formats until Ancestral Recall is uh, eventually released online. And then it'll be very good. Then you have Tower of the Magistrate. Yeah, at first I was a little confused by this one, but then after I asked around and I eventually figured out, basically this card is used to uh, counter equipment in larger formats. So basically, for example, what the card does is you can tap it for a colorless mana, or you can pay some mana and tap it, and target creature gains protection from artifacts until end of turn. The key there is it doesn't say target creature you control. So say, for example, you run into um, uh, Stoneforge Mystic going to pick up a Batter Skull. Well, they slam that Batter Skull into play, attack with their germ. You can Tower of Magistrate targeting the germ, and it gains protection from artifacts. Suddenly, the Batter Skull falls off, and you take no damage. Yep, and the germ dies. Exactly. And this works the same if they equip any of the swords to their creatures, or they equip the Batter Skull to a different creature. You can just constantly unequip it, so it acts as a sort of Maze of Ith in that instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maze of Ith for uh, equipment. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, continuing the uh, messing with your opponent's theme, you have Bribery, which we already have online, but which uh, rocketed up when 8th went out of print for a long while, and then we got Commander. Yeah. yeah, Bribery is so much fun to play with, and like it's 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 a good solid card. I mean, something not going to stay at this high. Uh, we currently have Bribery Bribery listed, I believe, at six. Yeah, yeah, that looks about right, and that's that's a really high six, to be honest with you. I imagine. Um, yeah, especially when there are some already available, but not in black bordered, unless hmm. you got them for. It. I imagine it's probably taking a chunk out of the uh, eighth edition Briberies as well. Yeah, cause yeah, I those are down to a five, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they saw play in, in Modern for a week or two, and I think they shot up as a result of that, and, but then they've come back down, and they're in that range. Yeah. Well, it's a good card for Commander, certainly. I mean, uh, turn five, or if you got your um, uh, Soul Ring out, turn three, oh, there's no, there's your Eldrazi. Exactly. Uh, next up, we have a card which is near and dear to my heart, because I love this card, and that's uh, Unmask. Mm-hmm. Which is three and a black to look at target player's hand. You choose a card and they discard that card. So it sounds really terrible, but it has the alternate cost of being cast by pitching another black card. Yeah. So essentially spend two cards and for zero mana, um, distress, isn't it? Um, I think it's more like coercion. because I think you can take a land even. I could be wrong. I believe you can take a land. So, uh, yeah, you can... uh, on your turn one, uh, before you port. exactly before you before you open anything, uh, completely land screw your opponent. Exactly. 
she should be a very devastating card because in uh, Necropotence decks, obviously, it didn't matter how many cards you pitched because then you would just refill your hand back up to nine or so. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it goes without saying that it's cheaper than the uh, one-mana discard spells. Yes. Mm-hmm. And is unique in that it can't be stopped by uh, Talus of the Void stop, uh, set to one. Yeah, that's that's a very true, a very good point. I didn't think about that. Very interesting. Or countered by, um, uh, what's the Phyrexian counter? Oh, uh, Mental Misstep? Yeah. Yeah, gets around that too. Not around Spell Pierce, but overall a pretty worthwhile card and definitely one you should consider picking up because it usually has that, it can have applications from time to time in Eternal formats. Yep. Uh, especially if a black control deck um, manages to get past all the blue control decks. Yeah. Or they can just join forces, be a black-blue control deck. Next is Submerge, which is three mana. Mm-hmm. Uh, three tickets. And free. Yeah. Generally. Also, also a free spell uh, under the right conditions, which would be the reason to play it. And putting a red-green creature on top. Also an uncommon. And joined right up there with Invigorate, which is all a common. Or common or, is it an uncommon? No, it's, yeah, it's definitely common. a common. It's a common. It was a common that was seen in uh, Garouk versus Liliana, and it's a yeah, common that's been 15, 20 tickets for the longest time. Uh, it's used in their Infect combo deck. Since you don't care about them getting life, you uh, give your creature plus four, plus four, and you hit for half their effect total. Exactly, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see the effect, you know, where the price goes and how, how much it stabilizes to, and also to what degree this floods Infect into the Popper metagame. Uh, because right now it's kind of limited by just the sheer number of invigorates available online that people can get for Popper, whereas once it's widely available, will we see an increase in that deck? Yep. Mm-hmm. Next on the list is the Blue Armageddon Parallax Wave. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. It, yeah, so it's a fun one. You remove tons and tons of lands and can do fun stuff with that. That's yep. at uh, two and a half. Uh, also fun with Proliferate, as are all the... Uh, um, fading cards. Mm-hmm. Then uh, we got a trio of cards coming in at 175 uh, with the previously mentioned Rootwater Thief, the Defiant Hero Lin Sivy, and Sapling Burst, a huge combo piece, all coming in at $1.75. Mm-hmm. Sapling Burst being the uh, uh, 21, car, uh, 21 points of damage combo with Pandemonium. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lin Sivy being the I don't think there were much more cards besides her band in um, uh, Mask's block, were there? Yeah, she, I think she was the only card banned in block, in that particular block. Because it, especially, it'd be interesting to see if that would have still needed to be the case, given the current Legend rule. Because mm. that was at a time when the Legend rule was, if there was a copy of that Legend in play and you play a new one, the new one instantly died. Yeah. So basically it came down to who could play Lens City first. Pretty much. And then last, and pretty much least, uh, is Ristic Tutor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a great card for um, multiplayer, such as um, Commander, um, because, frankly, who wants to pay to stop you having cards? It's a, a slightly less likely to get you killed version of, um, uh, what is it, the uh, the mask. Uh, the, the Mind's Eye? Mind's Eye, yeah. Yeah, so that's what we got for you. 
Mm-hmm. As far as prices go, obviously, who knows if these are even close to remotely accurate. The set, you know, the set's really not even out yet. It's only pre-releases, and then the release will wildly change the amount. So we'll see. But yeah. just an idea of where to start out and cards to look out for. Depending I'm also on. really unsure about like how the uh, how product will be print run. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And that will do it for prices this week. Yep. Now, one thing which we're uh, trying out is a question of the week. Kia, what's this week's question? Uh, well, this week's question actually comes from a uh, discussion that was had at a Magic Offline PTQ I was at just the other day. Um, cons- and the question is, considering – if you take into account the entirety of Magic, the whole scope of Magic, uh, however you want to define it and look at it, what is the worst color in Magic of the five? Mm-hmm. Of black, blue, green, red, white – which color do you think ranks last? I think I'm going to lay down a marker with red here. As much as uh, its uh, removal suite is useful, as much as you've had the occasional red dead deck wind deck doing quite well, it's card disadvantage. Green, at least, you've got recursion, you've got card draw, you've got all forms of card advantage, you've got engines uh, throughout history which have uh, powered up um, combo decks, uh, all the way from Prost Bloom, all the way through um, Survival, through um, and even now you've got uh, Tama Goyf tearing a hole in uh, as the most expensive card in modern. Mm-hmm. Uh, but red, you don't tend to get really expensive red centerpieces to major decks. What's the most? Yeah. yeah, Sebastian, uh, what are you? What are your thoughts? Worst color. Oh, well, we're experiencing some difficulties. I'll go ahead and uh, jump in and say, uh, in this discussion, I took the side similar to AJ's, um, but I would go ahead and say green, I think, is the worst color. I do put green and red kind of in the bottom tier there. Um, looking at it, my concern is that I just feel like green doesn't have the depth. Uh, like Green does have some really great cards, and if you took the top 10 green cards in Magic History and compared them card for card to the top 10 red cards in history... I think green's probably going to win. But looking over the entire history and the depth, I think red has lots and lots of really just good cards that work really well together. Whereas green has a couple of really great cards that are flagships in their decks, and then after that it just kind of falls apart. Then again, if you take that to the opposite end of the scale, and if you look at the bottom ten cards, then there was at least one set in Magic's history where red did not have a single common with higher than zero power. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, that was the set with the kobolds, a couple of walls, uh, and nothing which, with uh, any form of um, uh, power over zero was available at common with red. Drafting that set was not fun. Huh. We'll figure. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, but I, I don't know. Just looking at it, and like I said, it's obviously a subjective grading scale, and it's hard to quantify looking at, you know, 20 years of cards. Mm. But just... The way I quantify it looking at it, there's like always some kind of red deck. You know, red is sometimes good. It has, it's been good as an aggro deck. It's been good as a combo deck. Green, I feel like other than the last couple of years where green has really been ratcheted up and has gotten a lot better, I don't, I don't know. I just don't see it. And I still put green in the bottom. That obviously in the coming years, if green continues its trend, that may change. But for me personally, I say green at the bottom with red being a close second. But even in, even in the wilderness years, green was, um, 
you always had a good combo deck with green. You always had uh, uh, cards like Survival, cards like um, Eternal Witness, um, cards which just keep showing up. Even the simple, humble Lanoir Elves or Birds of Paradise. Uh, and they're still in use in Eternal formats. Anyway, yeah. Sebastian. Yeah, so I uh, we were talking about this before the show, and, I, and I, my gut instinct was to say green, because I've seen the green cards in the past. But then I was reminded of Wild Nicado. And I, I remember what someone said the other day about Legacy being a Wild Nicado format now, because it's just like, oh, play Wild Nicado, you'll get there. And so, I mean, it's, it's interesting to say, I, I think this question definitely depends when you started Magic. I, I believe for someone who started Magic earlier, green is definitely the worst color. But for someone like me who's who's started playing Magic right around Ravnica, um, Ravnica the Time Spiral, and so I saw Tarmogoyf, I saw Wild Nicado, but um, it's really close. I would say they're both a lot worse than uh, any, any other color, but uh, if I had to give it to someone, I would probably give it to red being the worst color now. Um, yeah. But I, I said green earlier today, so it's, it's one of those things where I go back and forth. Uh, I love lightning bolt. Sebastian. I don't know, dude. It's 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 hard to say. <laughs> Wild Nicado is a three three for one. Um, I think that I think I mean, but then the other argument to be made is ambush commander versus a siege game commander. I think was a great argument to make. Uh, you look at that, and you, then you definitely see the power gap between the two colors. I would say uh, I agree with Kia. Red is definitely a more consistent color. It's consistently going to be played. Um, I think green lately has been getting the attention, so it'll be it'll see some play. Uh, maybe maybe red is the worst. Green is the worst color. It's hard to say. Let me put it this way. Right, so we have mo- one vote for red, one vote for green, and half a vote for each. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which is fair enough. Um, yeah, you make a great politician, Sebastian. Now, the other question is, what's the most expensive red card you can think of? Um... I'm going to guess... Wheel- I'm going to guess... Wal- uh, yeah, well, I mean, if you want to count Mox Ruby, I guess that would count. But I would say, I don't know, Wheel of Fortune, like a beta Wheel of Fortune, counting Magic Offline. I suppose so. A lot more yeah. green cards have been restricted than red cards in that regard. Yeah, that's very true. Like I said, I'm not arguing that green doesn't have a higher top tier of power level cards. I'm just arguing I think green's a little top-heavy. Like, it starts out great, and then after that, it just drops off really quickly. Oh, true. And also, not to mention all the good cards we've mentioned so far of green didn't have green as their primary color. Um, all good red cards seem to have red as the primary color, whereas all green, all good green cards, like Tarmogoyf isn't a primarily a green deck card. Uh, Wild Nicolo definitely isn't. It's, it's a red-white-green card. Uh, you also have cards like Birds of Paradise, Final Elves. If you look at these cards, they're not played in mono-green. They're played in decks that can benefit from green. I mean, But it goes without saying, it's blue, black, then white, then these two colors. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, you know, we've heard, you've heard our comments here, but if you feel differently, maybe you think, you know, white or possibly even black, or if you can really stretch it and make an argument for blue, uh, we'd love to hear it. I would especially love to hear that. Um, but feel free to leave us comments. Well, you could argue blue is the uh, worst color to play against. Yeah, it's the, it's the biggest offender of messing up magic. And if you want to look at it in that sense, then you could call it the worst color, I guess. Yeah. More blue cards have needed to be banned than any other color. (laughs) Yeah. More blue cards have been restricted. More blue decks have dominated and made for unfun formats. So, yeah, I guess you want to take it that way. But from a power level standpoint, I would, I, I doubt you can make an argument for blue. But if you want to try, feel free. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll leave that uh, question in your more than capable hands. Please let us know. And move on to what you've been playing. Kia, what you've been playing? 
Uh, well, um, I was scheduled to have a classic league match this week, but given the records and the state of things, uh, my opponent and I chose to just draw, and so we'll be off to the top eight next week. In lieu of that, I did go and play the aforementioned Magic offline PTQ. Uh, I traveled down to Houston, my old stomping grounds, and promptly was stomped. Um, I went one, two, and kind of made a quick little exit and got back home to DFW. Mm. Oh, no. Hi. Not really. I had a decent pool, and I probably could have done more with it. I did make a huge mistake in game three of round two um, against a competent opponent, and as a result, ended up losing that game. And then in game round three, my heart just really wasn't in it, and I kind of got blown out. Side note, I really, really dislike un- Undead Alchemist. Do not like that card. Agreed. That card's really annoying. Yeah. Nice. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Uh, but the, this weekend was a endangered tribal week, it being the first uh, Saturday of a month, which meant uh, decks were limited to uh, tries with less than 50 and more than three members, uh, with a few exceptions such as uh, Artificers and Eldrazi, which have proven dominant in the past. I went with a Scarecrow deck using a 12-post uh, base and um, the... Uh, Crystal Quarry from uh, Odyssey Land, which is uh, great fun to play with. Um, went 1-2 uh, first round, 2-0 the second, and with the scores level in the third round, I mulled to four in the last game. Hmm, that stings. Unfortunate, but um, I don't begrudge my opponent his um, winnings, um, clenched teeth. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, so... We'll see what that, happens. We'll see what happens next like, week. Is that like Reaper King top end? Is that what your plan is? Because I'm trying. I'm, I'm struggling to even think of Scarecrows right now. And the only one that comes to mind is Reaper King. Uh, Reaper King is pretty powerful, but not the most expensive one. Um, which is a honor which falls to um, Scarecrow, which to my mind should always have been a Hag Scarecrow, uh, which is the one which um, uh, sacrifices Scarecrow, draw a card, four mana tap, return an artifact creature from your graveyard to play. Which is insanely powerful. Ah, yeah. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I was going on a um, fairly removal-heavy suite, uh, using all his dust uh, when a Reaper King wasn't on the table, and uh, Scarecrow's when a Reaper King was, and a couple of legacy weapons just to rub it in. Because if you've got uh, 12 post mana and you're funneling everything through... Um, uh, crystal quarries to get uh, all five colors, you might as well exile something with it. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Are you allowed to play the uh, that staff in that format? Staff of Domination? Um, I believe Staff of Domination is legal. It's um, a card which I've often thought, you know, I should really get some of those. And <laughs> I think I probably will at some point. Yeah, they're on the list. Cool. <laughs> um, as for yeah. me... I've made a conscious effort not to touch Magic Online this week. Uh, there was a uh, staying on the leaderboard as a top ten winner last week really discouraged me. It re- made me rethink my life choices. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're what are you five days sober from Magic yeah, Online? Yeah, <laughs> uh, about five or six days. Uh, I you know you know when, when a website tells you you play so much that you've won more packs than most people want to win in a in a year. That, that's that's a good time to stop playing. Yeah, <laughs> take a break. So unless you're looking to shift this into you being your full time job, yeah, <laughs> time yeah, to reconsider. Right. So, 
So I, I took a step back, haven't played in a week. Uh, did that one draft in right now. Um, but it's, uh, <laughs> that's it's, how it starts. Yeah. It, that's how it starts. And yeah, no, I, I look forward to probably playing a little bit of real life match for the first time in a while. Uh, first time since U.S. Nationals this uh, Tuesday, hopefully. Uh, I heard there's a draft going on somewhere re- relatively close, so I thought mm-hmm. I'd step by and you know, be a complete unknown, pretend not to know magic, and you know, have fun. <laughs> it sounds like a plan. Yep. Well, you heard it here first, people. We are willing to go to such lengths that uh, we completely did, uh, deny ourselves access to the client to provide you the best podcast possible about MTGO. Yeah. <laughs> it's all for you. And on that bombshell, uh, we'll... Uh, leave it for another week and uh, be sure to tune in next week for more exciting tales of uh, everything we talk about yeah, yeah. all right Pretty take it easy everyone have a good week everybody yep. yeah. goodbye